Welcome Center. So we'll give a few minutes for transition. Any of our youngins that'd like to go to Children's Church? Michael looks like he's going that way, so I know it's going to be a fun day. He might wear his Richard Simmons costume or something. No, saves that one for Bible school. No, but we're glad you're here. So we'll take just a few moments, and while you're getting transitioned, I'll invite you to open your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, where we began last week in our series called Family Matters. We talked about the family altar in verses 1 and 2. I'm using this passage as a backdrop, if you will, for uh, all that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. I, every time I hear that song, we will remember. You've heard me say before, I hope you have them remember. That my favorite part of that song, it says, I still remember the day that you saved me, the day that I heard you call out my name. It made me think about this evening at our annual county meeting at Edwardsville. I have an assignment of... Uh, opening that meeting with, uh, of course, just a prayer and, and maybe scripture reading. But uh, they've asked a few of us, and since I'm going to start there, the meeting, to just take a few moments and just talk about the goodness of God and how he's been faithful even through these hard times. And, and I thought, man, where do we start? I mean, he's been so good, hasn't he? He's sustained us, and he's not only allowed us to survive, uh, in many cases... It's just like the old vine dresser. I read that about the Venetian vine dresser. He said, often a drought's good for the grapes because it causes the roots to go deeper to find water. Amen? And so I always remember that. So when I was thinking about those things, of course, you know, uh, Edwardsville is a very special place to me. It's where I spent a lot of my time uh, growing up there with my grandmother and granddaddy and... Uh, <clears throat> It's also the place that God saved me. And I ain't ever got over it. Amen? Just like what my old, my old buddy Eric told me. He said, I'm just a man who's got a Savior that got up from the dead. I ain't got over it yet. I like that. Amen? I believe if we could live like that, well, it would be good. But I was just thinking about all the memories that flood my mind of how God saved me and how God called me to ministry. And, you know, I just am so grateful that in his sovereignty of the 7 billion people on the planet, he called my name. And of the 7 billion planet people on the planet, if you know him, he called your name. Amen? And if you're here today and you don't know him, of the 7 billion people on the planet, he's calling your name. Amen? And he's bidding you to come. And whosoever will take of the water of life freely that you never thirst again. Amen? I just don't ever want to get over it. Sometimes I'm like y'all. I struggle and sometimes I experience those times I feel a little dry and I feel a little dusty even. And in those times it's when God allows our roots to go deeper to find water. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 6 if you find your place in physically able would you stand with me honor and reverence to the reading of the word of God I'm going to go back and read verses 1 and 2 it, it don't hurt us to hear from the word of God amen because it's all in the same context and I'm going to read through verse 6 here's what the Bible says now this is the commandment these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess 
and that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life and that our days, that your days may be prolonged. And here's where we pick up today. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it that it may be well with you that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you take your word and do what only you can do with it today. And Father, that you would take your word and speak through a human vehicle as such as I, a messenger that's just come to tell your people what you say. And Father, may your people today hear and heed the word of God. And may their life be forever changed as a result of the impact that your word will have on them today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. So I told you I'm using this passage in Deuteronomy as a backdrop to this um, series because of the importance of what it has to say about family. The scriptures are filled with examples of all kinds of alliances and partnerships. God has used men, groups of people gathered around common goals and purposes to bring glory to his name throughout history. But on the other hand, Satan has also used people, abused people, and lured people into traps of opposing God and God's people. When you read through scripture, you see how God used men in alliances such as David and Jonathan. What a wonderful picture of a real friendship based on love, mutual respect, and admiration for one another. David loved God. He pursued the heart of God. He had no greater earthly friend than Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of the man who wanted to kill him, King Saul. But Jonathan never compromised his loyalty to David and even provided protection for David kill him you read of men like Paul and Barnabas who had a partnership who worked together Paul was the great preacher you might say of scripture and how he was that great example of a changed life Barnabas his name literally means the son of encouragement so Barnabas brought the encouragement side to the ministry that was so needed God used them greatly God used men to work together such as Peter and John at the birth of the New Testament church that we're a part of today. In Acts chapter 3, they're just going up to the temple to pray and there was a man that was lame for over 40 years. He looked at them and he asked for some money. They didn't have any money. They said, silver and gold have I none. He him clearly and said, but such as I have, I give unto you. Rise up and walk. 
Not only did they see God perform a great miracle that day, but they saw that man stay with them even when they were persecuted. They stood strong before the Sanhedrin when they were threatened and could have lost their lives because of their loyalty to the Lord Jesus and to the church that he was building. But God used them. And we read today on the pages of Scripture how God used them mightily and it still impacts and encourages and influences us today. Oh, but in Scripture there were people that allowed Satan we read about a couple named Ananias and Sapphira uh, who lied to not only to Peter but the Bible says they lied to the Holy Ghost amen they lied to God and they did that which was wrong well how that they were allowed together even to try to take out God's man Elijah we read also in the book of Joshua how there was a group of people from a place called Gibeon that deceived Joshua and how they aligned themselves together, wanted to form an alliance with uh, Joshua. So much of what he was doing, he would destroy them also. And of course, again, back there in 1 Kings chapter 18 with Ahab and Jezebel, just before them, those prophets of Baal, they allied themselves together to come against God's man Elijah, but it was to no avail. So as we seek to honor God today in our families by raising our families by the word of God in the 21st century, it do us all good to do some inventory today. It do us all good to survey our alliances or our relationships through the lens of scripture. It's clear that the health and viability of all of our personal relationships are based upon the health of our relationship with a holy God. All of our horizontal relationships are based on the health of our vertical relationship. But when our relationship with God hope and we have a It's the key word to the entire book of 1 John and it's important we understand that. When we know him and we live for him and we walk with him and we talk with him, we have the opportunity to have healthy relationships with the people in the body of Christ that can influence a lost world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 5 and 6 declare the focal point of our love and affection. The focal point of our love and affection today is simply the Lord our God. Do you realize when you read those scriptures, they kind of sound familiar, don't they? Somebody else recounted that scripture in Matthew chapter 22. It was Jesus Christ himself when he was asked what is the greatest commandment. 
He told them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind in Matthew 22, 37. Jesus was recounting the words from Deuteronomy chapter 6 when he said these to the people. But he went a step further and he said there is a second one that is likened to it and that is that you would love your neighbor as yourself. Now I'll tell you something. I have never been more convinced in my life that people in America are in love with themselves. Amen. I'm telling you, we, well, I mean, I, there is no doubt that people really like them, some of themselves. Amen. But you know what? And here's the thing I don't believe that as a Christian, it means that we never think of ourselves, but we think of ourselves less and we don't put ourselves first. Amen. We put God first. And we're to love our neighbor just as we love ourselves. That's what Jesus said. That's not what the preacher said. That's what Jesus said. So as we seek to impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must be wise about our relationships. Someone once told me this. They said, preacher, I just want to be everybody's best friend. You know, there's only one problem with that. It is absolutely impossible to be everybody's best friend. There's no way. I believe that the Bible teaches us that we're to be friendly to all people. Doesn't the scripture say if a man's going to have friends, he must first be friendly? He must find himself to be friendly in order to have friends? Absolutely. I believe we're to be friendly to everyone those in the body of Christ and those outside the body of Christ. But it is impossible for anyone to be everybody's best friend. You can only maintain so many relationships and keep them healthy. So with that in mind today, I want to talk about our alliances and see how the scripture teaches us how important they are. First of all, I want to talk to you today about the alliances of our friends. I always told my children when they were growing up that they needed to make all the friends they could. Y'all tell your kids that? You need to make all the friends you can. You need to be friendly to all people. But I also told my children to never compromise who you are or who Christ has called you to be to get along with anybody. Amen? I said, now... You need to make all the friends you can. Sometimes with girls, I don't know how it is raising boys. I didn't get to do that, but I, I was a boy at one time, and I, I was around a whole bunch of boys that I grew up around, and I just learned real quick we're different. But, but raising girls, I found out real quickly that it's important to teach them to have a lot of friends because sometimes girls only want another girl to be just their friend. And they don't want them to have any other friend, okay? Now, now look here. I'm just, I'm just talking to you real life stuff here, okay? And so I really challenged my girls to not get pulled into that. I, I really challenged them to not, get, not have friends that just made them feel as though they were in bondage because that's not really a friendship anyhow, is it? And if you're my friend here today, and I count all of you as my friends, you may not want me to be your friend. Too bad I'm going to be anyway, all right? But, but here's the deal. I want you to have all the friends you can. 
I want you to make all the friends you can and maintain all the healthy relationships you can and I, I want you to have really good relationships with other people and I want you to know when I see you having other friends and you're my friend, it brings joy to my heart because that means that if I'm not here tomorrow and God takes me to heaven, you got other friends. Amen? That's just the way I observed it. So I really challenged my girls about that and they, and they did good, really did because I thought that was important. But I really challenge them in this thing. Don't compromise who you are or who Christ has called you to be to get along with anybody. Uh, you know, I get the opportunity to talk to students, football players, stuff like that from time to time, and I really challenge those young men to realize that God does not call his people to fit in. He calls us to stand out. Don't be afraid to be made fun of. Don't be afraid for people to talk bad about you because of your stand for Jesus. One day they will respect you for that. Amen? It may not be now. See, we all need a lot of friends and not just one. And I, like I just told, never allow anybody just to make you their only friend. It's unhealthy for your spiritual life. It really is. As we talk about our friends, let's talk about two types of alliances. The first is godly alliances. See, God gives us friends to help us get through life. Can I get a witness on that today? I bet just as I said that, I bet in your mind, visually, some faces popped up in your mind of people that God has used to help you get through some difficult times. And if that's true, that is such a blessing because those people were there for you when you needed them most. And I want you to know, nobody, and you've heard me say this a bunch of times, nobody ever needs to be the Lone Ranger. Our old friend, Lone Ranger, he even, he took Tonto with him. Amen? We all need somebody in our journey. We don't need to be there just to feel like we're all alone and by ourselves. God does not give us friends for bad purposes. He doesn't give us friends so that we can use them or abuse them. Amen? It, it, it doesn't. See, friends are meant to be a great blessing in our lives, not a burden. And as a Christian, it is our responsibility to maintain healthy relationships with other believers. Now, does that mean you can be best friends with all believers? Absolutely not. But you need to have healthy relationships with other believers because here's what it does. It helps you stay strong where you are weak and it helps you build accountability into your life. You know what a lot of Christian people don't like to be told is that they're wrong. They don't like to be told they're wrong and they don't like to be told that they're slacking. Amen? They don't like to be told that. They don't want the preacher telling them that. They don't want anybody else telling them that because they think, man, you're just nosy and you're all up in my Kool-Aid and you need to get back, amen? But I, I would hope that I would have friends that loved me enough and cared for me enough that if they saw me straying toward the ditch, that they would say something before I got there. Now, how many times, well, you know, it's just not any of my business and I saw it coming, I saw it, I knew it was gonna happen, I saw it, I could have told you a long time ago that's what was gonna happen. He was straying and everybody could see it. Well, then why didn't somebody say something? Well, preacher, we live in the South. We're, we're kind.
Amen. We don't say, we don't tell people. I, I never forget. I had a chiropractor when I served in Rome, Georgia. He was really good. He was a Catholic. I, I witnessed to him every time we went. I love him. Still love him. And talked to him a lot about the Lord. And, and it, but I'm telling you what, he told me something one time I'll never forget. He said, I grew up in the Bronx. He said, you know, in the Bronx, we just tell it the way it is. He said, you people down here in the South, he said, I just want to tell you something. He said, you know, you think sometimes, you know, it's always bless your heart and all this kind of stuff. He said, it's always this. You know. He said, I just tell you, in the Bronx, we just tell you the way it is. If you're not doing right, we tell you. We don't know about it. We, he said, you know what? And sometimes you people in this house, you think you're being kind. He said, but you're just being hypocrites. The boy preached to me, and I mean, he's popping my neck. I'm listening. You're just being a bunch of hypocrites. I'm like, hey, can we get done with the adjustment before you use the word hypocrite, right? But he's not all wrong, is he? No, no, sometimes we are. But I just want you to know this, and I want you to hear me. I believe we ought to care about each other enough. That's why I stand up here every week and I plead with you to come to Jesus and plead with you to follow Jesus and say your life out to the glory of God. Why? Because I love you. I care about you. I want God's best for you and I don't want to see you in the ditch. This morning I came in here about 7.30 or so and sometimes I walk through and just talk to the Lord and, and pray and, and ask God to help. And today I walked up and I just laid my big old self all over this altar, over this pulpit. And I said, oh God, help me die today so others can live. Oh God, help them to see you today and not me. May your glory fall on your church. May revival come to this land. Oh God, we need you today. God, help us, help us. Oh, it's our responsibility. Here's what the Bible says, Galatians 6 and 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do good to everybody. But oh, don't forget those who are in the trench with you. See, as a follower of Christ, and a member of this church, I want you to hear me. It's my responsibility to speak well of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that's your responsibility too? There's a member of the body of Christ, a member of this church, and I'll tell you what it requires. It requires that we guard our hearts against those who seek to lure us into the trap of gossip and degrading others. Let me just put it in layman's turn for you that we guard our heart against those who are putting water in our boat. I had that happening to me this week. Y'all have, did that happen to y'all at all? You wasn't a member of this church, so y'all can all take a deep breath. But, but I, I'm going to talk to somebody that I love dearly. That the longer they talked, all they were doing was dumping water in my boat. And I'm praying the whole time, God, help me get the water out my boat. Don't let them pour that water in my boat. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear me. It may sound kind of cheesy, may seem kind of a cliche, but hear me. You need to work diligently on that every week. Why? Because Satan loves to see your boat get full of water. 
godly alliances. Well, there's another kind, and that's ungodly alliances. See, when we come to faith in Christ, our life undergoes a massive transformation, don't it? <laughs> Do you know that when you come to Christ and you yield yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart, do you know that the Holy Spirit leaves no stone unturned in your life? You say, well, I'll tell you what, God. You can have my Sundays, but you're gonna leave me alone in between. Well, don't work like that. Uh, Lord, I tell you what, you can, you can have me on the weekends, but I'll tell you during the week, it's my thing. And Lord, you can have this part of my life, but this other compartment is mine and you're just gonna have to leave it untouched. No, 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 hear me? He don't work like that. He leaves no stone unturned in our lives. You'll notice some things will change when you come to Christ you'll notice a change in what you think about. Your thoughts will change. Hey, your speech will change. You ever hear about the 1904 Welsh Revival? Uh, Evan Roberts was used of God, a 26-year-old preacher, had a four-point sermon, and God used it to turn the nation upside down. And do you know what happened in that revival? Was I'm telling you, it went everywhere, went through town. Judges got saved to God be the glory. Loggers got saved. Woo-hoo. Hey, look here. Police got saved. Everybody. The bars closed. The taverns were shut down because nobody was buying the boots. There was such a transformation took place they had to retrain the mules because the mules didn't know how to respond without being spoken to in profanity. When the, when, well, look here, when the farmers quit cussing, they had to retrain the mules. <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, hear me. When Jesus Christ moves into your life, he changes your thoughts, he changes your speech, he, in, he changes your entertainment choices he changes your friends. You'll even have some avoid you because they'll say, you know, he's got religion. Oh, dear brothers. Oh, dear sisters. I'm so glad that I can report to you today that when Jesus Christ radically changes somebody's life, and brings them to faith in him and the Holy Spirit begins the work of transformation in their life, can I tell you today, it has nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do that you have a relationship with the sovereign God of this universe and now he is the resident king in the castle of your heart. Oh, God help us today to never forget that. I want you to know it's not wise for you to ever be rude or ever appear or project yourself to be superior to people that you love and your friends who don't know Jesus that are unsaved. They should still be your friend. They can't be your best friend anymore. Your responsibility is to reach them with the gospel and to pray for them without compromising your biblical conviction. Very important. There's also some ungodly alliances that 
somehow even make their way to the church. I learned about these first of all back to Edwardsville. I learned about these on the party line. <laughs> Y'all did too, did you? First time I ever realized, Ray, that people talk about the preacher. They know there's six, eight more people on the same line. I mean, come on. Now y'all can talk freely. It's no problem, right? No, but their ungodly alliance is found in the church. And you know what? You need to avoid them. You say, how do I avoid them? Well, what do I need to avoid? Well, you need to avoid what I call holy huddles. <laughs> You've seen those gather up on Sunday. They're whispering. Did you yeah, you need to avoid those. You need to avoid scorekeepers. You ever had a friend that's a scorekeeper? Well, I did this for you. You owe me. You ever had that? I want you to know if you're my friend here today, and I hope all of you are because I want you to be. I want you to know that we have a saying in our house, and I taught my kids this growing up, we do not keep score. Whatever God uses us to do for our friends or other people, we do without anything expected in return. Amen? And I want you to know as your pastor and your shepherd, as God will lead me, that's the way I'm leading this church. Whatever we do to invest in this community, whatever we do to invest in our local school system, whatever we do to invest in our partnerships with other church plants, whether it's here around the world, whatever we do, we do so with no expectation of anything in return. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. You need to avoid relationships where you got scorekeepers because I want to tell you, you will never win with a scorekeeper. You need to avoid those who constantly make you feel guilty. Well, if you was a real friend, you'd call me more. If you was a real friend, I get this a lot. If you was a real pastor, you'd do this. I get that. It's okay. But you have to be really careful because those who bring that guilt, let me tell you where that guilt's coming from. It's not coming from God, so where else could it be coming from? Amen? It is false guilt. You, you need to avoid those who love to argue on text and social media. Y'all know the Randers? Y'all know them? Hey, hear me. I have a real clear policy personally for myself about social media. And here it is. I'm going to sit to you again. Social media is a great tool if it's used to inform, inspire, or encourage. If it is used for any other purpose, it can become a tool in the hand of Satan himself. You, you will not see your pastor arguing political stances. You will not see your pastor arguing with other people. And you will not see me posting things just trying to get a rise out of somebody. But what you will see, and you know, and I hope you can see, and you go look, I've only used it for this purpose. When the pandemic started, I really had to learn all about it because I needed to stay connected and communicate, and I, that was why I used it, because I wanted to stay connected to you. I love you. I wanted you to know that, you know, even though we couldn't meet here, I'm here for you. I love you. We're going to get through this thing. God is going to bring. It's going to be okay. 
You can go back and look at anything we've done and we've done for those purposes to inspire, inform, and encourage. Outside of that, we turn it off. I don't use it as much now. Probably need to more than I do, but I don't simply because I just want to make sure that you know that that is not a place where we need to engage in senseless, useless arguments. It doesn't do anything to bring glory to God. Here's what you must do. You must guard your ears and guard your eyes. Don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you hear. And when you guard your heart against ungodly alliances, we can help our children make wise choices on their own. I'm really glad that I grew up before technology took over. Aren't y'all glad? I'm really glad I didn't. I really, I'm honest when I tell you this about our younger generation. I'm very concerned about them and I care about them because of the amount of information that they are bombarded with every day and the amount of decisions they have to make and the amount of all of the pressure that comes from that. I mean, you know, used to, your girlfriend break up with you, you may never see her again. Now she breaks up with you 15 minutes later, she's posting pictures of some other dude, right? Just living in the real world with you, right? That'd break my heart, wouldn't it yours? Yes, preacher, that would break my heart. It would. And you know why? And it's a lot of pressure. So we need to pray for them with the pressure that they're under. Let me talk briefly here about our foes. You say, I don't, I don't have any enemies. Winston Churchill said one time, said, if you've got enemies, that's good. That means you stood up for something sometime in your life. <laughs> You're going to have enemies when you stand up for the gospel. And it's not flesh and blood. We have one enemy. His name is Satan but he inspires many people to come against God's people. Amen. So how should you respond when that happens? Well, aren't you glad we got words from Jesus on that too? Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 45 says this, you heard it that it was said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, you know what Jesus said? You've heard something out there. And you might think it's true, but it's not. Let me tell you what I say and what Jesus said is all that matters. He says, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use and persecute you. Wow! Is that not a mouthful? He says, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise, he makes his son rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Just look real quick there. What did Jesus say? He said, you're to love them. So how can I love my enemy? They're so stinking mean. I'll tell you how we love them. We love them when we practice the unconditional love that Jesus Christ practiced when he saved us, loved us, and made us his own. We take that same love that he put in us. Look here, you didn't get it from the world. It had to come from him, and you've got to project that same love even to those who oppose you. He says you're to bless them. What? I'm not blessing Miami. You ever heard people say this? Oh, this breaks my heart when I hear this. I tell you what, they got what was coming to them. They got what was coming to them. Came around, karma got them. Come on, man, listen. This world is not directed by some unseen force like karma. This world is under the direction of a sovereign and holy God. 
He sends his rain on the just and the unjust. He makes his sun shine on the just and the unjust. It's his call. Love them. Bless them. I'll never forget, I was serving in Rome, Georgia when, when the LGBT community came after Chick-fil-A. You remember that? And they were going to pick it up there. And the, and the employees were sent out by their manager to give lemonade to the picketers. I mean, give a cup of cold water or give some good old lemonade, amen? I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that's what Jesus said to do. Bless them. Oh, you want to pick it? You don't like me? That's okay. I don't hate you. I, don't, I love you. I may not like what you do, and I believe it's wrong, and I believe it's sin, and I believe you need to repent, but I love you. I care about you. Here's some lemonade. <laughs> Bless them. Do good to them. Sometimes the unbelieving world is so surprised when Christians are still kind to them when unbelievers are so mean to Christians. Back to lives in this. And he said this, pray for them. Pray for them. I had to learn this in my life one time through a very difficult time. I had another pastor, an associational leader, a denominational leader, that because I took a stand against something that was wrong in my church, he sought to basically destroy my life and ministry, made up terrible lies, things that were not true. And I went to the scripture and the scripture said, just keep living in such a way as if there's no basis to, to prove their, their lies, and I did. God said, you don't need to defend yourself. Let me do it. It did. And then one day I was talking to the Lord about how broken and hurt I was. And the Lord convicted me. He said, Brent, you've talked to me a lot about that situation. And you've talked to me a lot about the hurt and the pain. But son, have you prayed for your persecutor? And you know, there's one thing y'all walk out each Sunday and say, you may say, you know, our preacher's not very smart and he's not much to look at, but doggone it, he's real, amen? Look here, look here, look here. He said, son, I haven't heard you pray for your persecutor. And son, if you're going to follow my word and you're going to do things my way, you're going to have to go back to my word and you're going to have to read in my word where I told you to pray for my... You know what I started doing? started praying for my persecutor. And can I tell you what? At first, it was a little tough. Right? Now, y'all would like for me to say, a heaven came down in glory filled. No, 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 no. It was a little tough. And I'd get done, I'd say, Lord, is that good? We good now? No, 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 it wasn't good, son. You got to do a little more. Okay, Lord. And, I, and finally, the Lord said, I want you to call out his name. I'm like, I don't like saying his name. So I did. So I started calling his name. I said it once. But you know how the Lord is. He's a father. He leads it. Say it again. I say his name again. And can I tell you 
that know it wasn't easy. And can I tell you it hurt? And can I tell you that I was a little stubborn? But can I tell you that through that process, God taught me that he is the one that goes before us. And that when we follow his pathway, he always brings victory. Now listen, the victory may not be big in the world's eyes, but when you have victory in your heart that you've followed God, you've walked with God, and he's brought clarity of vision to your heart, I'm telling you, it's a blessing, church. It's a blessing. Pray for them. Today, you might have a persecutor, and you're wondering why you can't get a breakthrough and you're wondering why it seems like they're just a thorn. You know what? That old boy was a thorn in my flesh. That old boy was a burr in my saddle. And that old boy caused me great difficulty. Can I tell you something? He don't bother me anymore. Because I started praying for him, Marty. I'm not sure he's praying for me. But by George, I'm praying for him. Amen. And now I like it. Pray for him regular now. At least once a year. But anyhow. Just seeing if y'all are listening. Let me end up by telling you about our family and I'm done. Let's talk about children to parents first, okay? Children, listen to me. The Bible is clear, Ephesians 6, 1. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's my observation there's never been a time in history that I've witnessed more children being disrespectful to their own parents. Sometimes your parents don't do right. Sometimes they don't do as the Bible says. And sometimes it's heartbreaking. But you are commanded by God to obey and respect them. Even when you get grown. Amen? Amen. Even if they do otherwise than what you think, or you believe God thinks, you respect them, you love them, God commands you to do that. Parents to children, let's quickly talk about this. What about you as a parent? Well, here's what the Bible said. You are to provide for them. Dads, you are to provide for them. He who provides not for his own is worse than an infidel. Amen? You are to provide for them. You are to love them unconditionally. They never need to go to school. They never need to go anywhere with any doubt in their mind that their mama and daddy love them unconditionally. And they don't have to do anything to earn it. They need to know that they are loved. They need to know that you are proud of them. And they need to know that you are there for them. Amen? You need to talk to them. You know, I was reading some statistics lately where the amount of meaningful conversation that happens between parents and children is so minimal now. So minimal. And I'll tell you, there needs to be that meaningful conversation. They need to hear from you. They hear from their teachers. That's good. They hear from their coaches. They spend more time with their teachers and coaches than they do with you. But when they are with you, they need you to talk to them and they need you to plant them and invest in their life. Not only do you need to talk to them, but you need to listen to them. Do you know having girls, one of the greatest things God did for me is gave me girls instead of boys because, boys, you don't have to listen to them, do you, Dad? You do. I'm just seeing if you listen. Okay, look. But now, you do need to listen to your son a little bit. But, but, but girls, boy, you're going to have to do some listening. I'm telling you right now, you know, as a dad, here's what we do as dads. Our children or our spouse bring a problem to us and in 34 seconds we have a solution and we're moving on to the next problem. 
you raise some girls, your 34 seconds is going to turn into 34 hours sometimes. But can I tell you something what God did is God put those girls in my life and he taught me how to listen. I wasn't a very good listener. I still struggle because I, I got attention deficit disorder. That's all right. And it's a major problem sometimes. But can I tell you this? I, God taught me to sit there with them little girls and listen to them and wipe their tears and hug their necks and make sure they knew that they were special. And he says, you've got to protect them. Amen. All dads, you know, you protect your children from a bear or a speeding train. You do anything. And then let me just end up spouses toward one another and then we're done. Ladies and gentlemen, guard your relationship. Protect it. Set a garrison about your relationship. Guard it. Protect your time. I got to spend some time with my sweet little bride this week. We'll be married 31 years here on October 20th. And I don't look a day over 36. I know, but anyhow, we got married on the playground out here. But, uh, 31 years and you know what just, you know we went to see our daughter spent a little time with her I, we, we went to some places that you know just hung out and I'll tell y'all a funny story about her one of these days but I gotta get her permission first but yeah <laughs> but you know what it was really sweet to just ride in the car and talk to my best friend Protect your time. Talk, talk, talk. That's what always communicate, communicate, communicate. Don't ever, ever. And if you got your old buddies, well, you sure do talk to your wife a lot. She sure does got you on a close chain there, buddy. That's right. That's okay. It's okay. I don't have an ego to protect. We need to talk, talk, talk. We need to listen, listen, listen. Those are very important parts, just like talking to God. We love to give God our list of things we want, but we need to listen to God. We need to listen to one another. We need to be accountable, be best friends. God asked me one time, he says, your wife knows where you are all the time. And I said, yeah, and I'm all right with that. She knows if I'm at work. She knows if where I am, and I've been that way a long time, and I wouldn't trade it for nothing. And then watch out for one another. Do you know one of the greatest blessings God gave me and my wife is she is a very perceptive. See, she don't talk much. And I know you've already said he talks too much. Okay, I understand. I got No, I, I talk for a living, but but one thing she does that helps me very much is God's used her a bunch of times to help me see things that I didn't see sometimes as men we get to going so fast we get to moving so quick that we don't slow down long enough to see the dangers around us and she's been used by God many times to help me with that hey maybe today could be a special day for you every day is a special day for I know and every Sunday is a special Sunday but maybe today would be a special day for you youngins to realize what a blessing you got in your mama and daddy maybe it'd be a special day for you parents to realize what a blessing and gift God's give you and your children maybe it'd be a special day for you sir you ma'am to realize what a special gift God's give you and each other Johnny Hunt said this once and I'll never forget 
he was asked, says, how do you keep your heart for your beloved? How do you keep your heart from wandering from your beloved? He said, it's when you throw your heart into your beloved. We have hanging in our room, Solomon's, Song of Solomon 6, 3. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. When you throw your heart into your beloved, you don't have time for any other frivolous mess. You pour your heart into what God gave you, and you make the best for his glory. Our alliances are very important, and I pray we choose wisely and that we'd be faithful in all God's given us to. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you so much for your word today. You told your children, Deuteronomy 6, when they were about to pass over, you told them to be careful to observe it, that it may be well that they would multiply greatly and as they multiplied their alliances increased they had to be careful they had to be certain that they kept one thing clear that they loved you with all their heart with all their soul with all their strength Lord today would you work a work in the lives of your people that we would make certain that we love you first and foremost with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. And Father, may we do as Jesus said, may we love our neighbor as ourselves. Father, I pray if there are any broken relationships, broken relationships between children and parents, parents and children, mamas and daddies, grandmas and grandpa. Oh God, I pray the sweet Holy Spirit of God would bring healing today. Pride would be gone and obedience to your divine will would be foremost. God, that repentance would take place in your house today, that revival may result of the repentance of broken hearts. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you be glorified through every decision that's made here today. Pray it all in the name of Christ. Amen and amen. Let's stand together all across the house today. We're about to sing a little chorus that you know well. It's called I Surrender All. I think sometimes if we're not careful we get used to singing words and not really embracing the message in the word the message of this hymn writer was simply this that there's nothing in this world that I hold dear that I won't surrender for the glory of God so today as we sing this chorus I want you to really take it to heart if there's anything anything between you in your relationship with God. I pray that you'd come and surrender it on an old-fashioned altar today and give it to him because this relationship affects all these relationships. I pray you give God glory today.
the decisions you'll make. Marty, you lead us when you're ready. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence t-shirt put in some extra they gonna need it amen uh, no I'm kidding I just want to encourage you today to uh, just think about what we talk about and, and just know that the words that are from God's word words we share with you today are words that we really believe will make a difference we come here today simply because we know it's God's calling we believe that this word that we share has the ability to change somebody's life forever. Amen. 
So as we give today, let's give from our hearts to the glory of God because we have much ahead of us, church. I really believe that there are great opportunities coming down the road that we're not even aware of yet. Opportunities God will make available to us to be an impact and influence to all those around us, starting right here at home and going as far as God will take us. But as we give today, let's give just trusting God that he will use it for his glory and that lives will be touched, souls will be saved, and his kingdom will be built as a result of our faithfulness. Join us as we ask God's blessings on our giving. Quickly, while we're, before we dismiss today, we've got just a couple of quick things that we need to uh, make sure that we cover. Um, that's um, before we uh, just a few business items, real quick. Won't take two, three minutes, so just hold tight if you would, and then we'll dismiss all together here in just a moment. Uh, we'll just consider ourselves seated together in a business meeting here on October 10th, 2021. Miss Brenda, do you want to read those minutes uh, from our last one, real quickly, if you could? I'll take your time. Thank you, Miss Brenda. That was the last quick meeting we had on August 18th. The minutes, any discussion or question about those meeting, those minutes? All right. Do we have a move and a second? They be accepted as read. 
deal. Did I have a move? I didn't hear somebody. Oh, move. Okay, thank you. Move to St. Mark Riddle, Steve Wayne, right for you, Miss Brenda. All in favor, let it be known by saying aye. All opposed, same sign. Thank you. Real quickly, two things. The nominating report was mailed to our church membership this week. You should have got one in the mail. If not, we have other copies that have been made available. But we do need to approve this report. It does not need a move in a second because it is coming from a ministry team. And with that being so, you have the copy of the 21-22 nominating report from our team, Bobby Bailey, Mark Riddle, Carla Tullis, Robin Morrison, and Brenda Freeman. If... Uh, since, as I said, needs no move in second. All in favor of approving the report, would you let it be known by the uplifted right hand? Okay, thing put them down. All opposed, same sign. So carried. Thank you. One last thing is we have the Cleburne Baptist Association meeting tonight. And, of course, Alabama Baptist State Convention will be coming up in November. We take these messengers by volunteer. So uh, with the way we've done in the past, Cleveland meeting tonight is at 5 o'clock at Edwardsville. If we have volunteers for to serve as a messenger from our church, would you be so kind as to lift a right hand and let me know, Miss Dot Whiten, Miss D. Pate, anyone else? Sonia Adams, Bobby Bailey, yeah, I'm sure he had to go count, so that'd be good. Okay, that would be good. D. Dot. Sonia and Bobby will represent us, of course, along with myself at the association meeting tonight. And then for the Alabama Baptist State Convention in uh, November at Whitesburg Baptist Church in Huntsville, I told Angie, I said, I don't know if I've got anybody to stay with. If I go, no better to say that. Anyhow, uh, nevertheless, uh, if you would like to volunteer to be a messenger to the Alabama Baptist State Convention, would you be so kind as to lift the right hand? Miss D. Pate, anyone else? Sonia too, okay, Sonia, and of course count myself, Bill Cavender. All right, thank you so much, and I appreciate that. So D. Pate, Sonia Adams, Bill Cavender, and of course myself, Brenda, uh, messengers for the Alabama Baptist State Convention. That is the only two items of business we had to take care of, so at this time, uh, do we have a motion and a second to adjourn this business meeting? Move to have a second. All in favor, let it be known by standing to your feet. Hey, before we dismiss, don't forget several things. Choir's going to practice at 4.30 today. Uh, there is no deacons meeting today. Our next deacons meeting will be the first Sunday in November. Keep in mind those uh, announcements about tailgating or trunk or treat. If you didn't get your sheet slip turned in, you can always leave it with one of the ushers in the back or the welcome center. If you want to reserve copies of the devotional, you can do the same with that. We're just excited about all that God has ahead. It's going to be a great Sunday, isn't it? It's been a great day already. I've had a good time. I had a bird to the Lord yesterday. I was cleaning my old shop out, and I had spider webs. Y'all got spider webs? Clean out spider webs. I'm like, man, you know, one day I'm going to a place where moth and dust does not corrupt. I just had to... You know what? And I just was cleaning all that out. And I got to thinking about this guy. I may have told you about him, and I'm done. When, I, when me and Brooke went to the game last week, this guy was out there reading the Word of God. I probably told you all, I don't know if I did, forgive me. This guy was just reading the Word of God. But people were just, you know, going on about their business. You know, hurry, hurry, get your Coca-Cola and your Bama dog. Get in here. Roll tide. Yeah. And I told Brooke, I stopped. And I just sat down on the bench, and I just listened to the man read the Bible. I said, you know, Brooke, isn't this the way the world is? 
don't bother me with that. I'm too busy with what I got going on. But I thought, this man, he's not being belligerent. He's not screaming, turn or burn. He's just reading the word of God. And I said, that demands my respect. Amen. I said, I got a few minutes. Amen. They ain't even started playing Sweet Home Alabama yet. I got a few minutes, right? Hey, church, before we dismiss, so don't forget I love you. There's nothing you can do about it, amen? Do you love me like that? Somebody say yes, amen, okay? Because I just need to know that because, i tell you why, because I want you to know that. When you go out here today say, God, I know you love me. My preacher loves me. I got a family that loves me. I got friends that love me. I got so much to be thankful for, amen? Marty, sing us out. I'm going to go around and catch you on the back side. To this, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. Jesus.